Welcome to another extra special, extra wonderful, fully curricular episode of Normandy FM. As always, <laughs> I am Eric Van Allen, one of your co-hosts here alongside Kenneth Shepard, and I have a new mic, Ken. Does it sound great? Do I sound beautiful? Yes, absolutely. Good, good. You're not saying that sarcastically, right? This is... Nope. I, I'm, I'm just trying to keep like a positive outlook on whatever I've got to deal with later. <laughs> creating more problems for ken later on down the road we have danielle riendo of fanbite how you doing danielle i am so good i'm so glad y'all asked me to be here i'm having a good day i really i know it's monday but i'm having a good day so i'm happy about it i'm happy someone's having a good monday someone's (laughs) gotta have a good monday somewhere it's It's me it's my one monday a year that's not terrible Everyone out Love there having a you. bad Monday. Yeah. It's Danielle's fault. She is stealing all the good Monday. I did. Sorry yeah. about that, everybody. Whoops. Oh, Lord. Uh, Danielle, I'm happy you're here because it means you're ra- rounding out the uh, the fanbite takeover of this podcast. <laughs> uh, Ken's yes. evil plans are coming to fruition. <laughs> good. Good. That's, good. that's five staff members that have been on the show by this point. So. See, but we keep hiring people, so we're gonna mm. have to also keep putting them on your shows. So, yeah, you know, you know and Is maybe that... maybe head for the future. Maybe a few of those recent hires are actually signed sl- up to come you're on like, later. You're like looking at your schedule, like, oh shit, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good. Yep. Well, for the now folks at home who might not know your work, uh, where what would they know you from? And then uh, give us a little bit of an intro about how you got into The Last of Us before we get talking about our section this week. Yeah, happy to. So, you might know me from my current iteration. I am the editor-in-chief at fanbyte.com, which I promise is not a money laundering scheme. It's a website. (laughs) (laughs) It is a website where we uh, cover video games and a whole bunch of other entertainment that we basically like. So we do some sports, we do some MMA, we do some pro wrestling, we do some TV and movies. But we are, of course, uh, sort of like, I don't know, 80... Let's call it 70% of our content is is basically video That sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, about Mm -hmm. that, yeah. Uh, Previously, I was at Waypoint, if folks know Waypoint Radio and that good stuff. And before that, I actually worked at Polygon for a few years. I was a reviewer at Polygon. And that's actually, I did not cover The Last of Us, but I did play the game uh, when I was in kind of my first year, I think, at Polygon. Mm Uh, you know, playing it maybe, I don't know, maybe a month or so after release. So not too long after the game had come out, but certainly not, you know, in the first week. I remember Polygon uh, famously gave the game a 7.5, mm. um, which was considered scandalous. At the controversial. Time. <laughs> oh, Slightly controversial. <laughs> um, I, I believe the remaster got like an 8 and the, the DLC uh, got like an eight or an eight point five, so like the the scores kept going up after mm. the initial release. But yeah, I um I really enjoyed the game, and at the time I was you know I was a sort of a new full time game journalist. I had been in games journalism for oh god like seven years as a freelancer before mm. that, but this was like during my first year of doing this full time. So I had started, you know, getting to know a lot of people who were reviewing the game. So a lot of my friends were reviewing the game at the time. So I would like hear things about it and be like, oh, it has like one hit kills. Oh shit, even on easy. Oh my God. And like, you know, a few little things that were controversial at the time, even though we think about that now and maybe laugh a little bit about, oh, (laughs) what a big deal. Mm. Uh, But yeah, I remember playing it and I really, really enjoyed it. I did not. Uh, it wasn't like my game of the year or anything like that, but I did 
like the game. I thought it was awesome. Um, and I, I also really love stealth games. So that was mm. a sort of a piece of it that I loved and enjoyed and thought was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's been a trip to kind of go back a little bit and look at the game again after, you know, playing the second game this past year and then not having really touched uh, the first The Last of Us since, yeah, since it probably came out, mm. to be honest. I mean, hey, you're you're on a podcast here with somebody who's playing it for the first time, so there's plenty of, of fresh nice. impressions to go around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's just funny to me to like when I was looking back on it because I, you know, I didn't play it again. I, I watched a let's play of, of the section that we are mm-hmm. uh, mm. talking about today and was just like, oh my god, I remember this being a little different. I remember this being slightly different. I have this totally different color to the world after playing the second game. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I actually was like on a panel at pa- my first time speaking at a PAX panel was. Uh, on a panel with Neil Druckmann and God, I think somebody else from that team. And it was about writing women characters. And so like, I, I felt a real affinity to a lot of these characters pretty early on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's all colored by weird stuff after the fact, but thinking about actually playing it, I'm like, Oh wow. That was a while ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. This, this section for the game that we're going to talk about, I think is like a really interesting one to look at because I think, um, you know, going back and, and even now it is like so different from what we've done up to this point, I'd say like, I, I know I complained earlier in the podcast about, uh, like, you know, kind of grimy dilapidated buildings and stuff like that. And it's <laughs> definitely, it's changed up, uh, in some key places, but I think here in winter and then in the start of spring is like them trying to do a little bit different and trying to have a little bit of variety, but especially in winter, um, the, the opening scene that we have where Ellie is hunting and just, I, I feel like we, we talked in, in fall about one of the more remembered scenes of, of the last of us being that confrontation between Joel and Ellie in the bedroom where they kind of finally just let each other have it. <laughs> um, yeah. And that was like the one that was pointed to is like, Oh, this is this game has drama in it. This game has <laughs> acting in it. But this one, when it opens in winter with the rabbit um, that then gets shot in the neck by an arrow, I remember this has always been pointed to, at least f- from what I can remember from my experiences, as like, look at what video games can do. Like, look at the graphical power here. Because even playing it on, like, I'm playing it on PS5, granted, but I don't mm. think there are like huge boosts going on there. And I'm playing the the remastered version, so there's that. But that looked good. That looked yep. like scary good. I thought I yeah. saw a real rabbit die for a hot <laughs> second there. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it was a little startling. Like it it looks it looks real nice. And then we have to deal with the fact that our father figure might be dead. So now we gotta yeah. cope with that a little bit. Yeah. One thing I remember at the time, and even going back and watching, like, a, yeah, I think a remaster, Let's Play, I'm pretty sure I watched a remaster, Let's Play, how good the animation is mm-hmm. and still, like, feels. Even, this is a little while ago now, right? This is, God, it was 2013. Yeah, coming right? up on, so like, eight years. Yeah. Eight years mm-hmm. old, just about, in, what, a month, maybe? I think it was a June release, if I remember correctly, so. Yeah, we're coming up on it. Just about eight years, and, like those animations are really, really expressive and really, really good. And a lot of the mm-hmm. stuff that, that just fits and works really well actually isn't just the cutscene stuff, but it's in uh, gameplay animations and sort of the mm-hmm. way that the characters move around each other. It's still kind of impressed me, even watching it now. So Yeah, yeah for sure. 
Ken, I think we need to talk a little bit at the beginning about what it's like playing as Ellie in this section, mm. because we do yeah. play, I'd say like probably a half to maybe two thirds of this section as Ellie specifically. Yeah. And it's, it's really weird because she has like a bunch of key differences. Um, right. She can only craft a few things. So mm. we only have med kits, Molotovs, bombs and smoke bombs. Uh, most importantly, like no melee upgrades, which I had been really relying on in some sections, mm. as I soon yeah. learned. <laughs> no. And um, and also, uh, she only has a few weapons. I think you, you start out with the bow, and you have like a pistol with no ammo, and eventually at some point we'll get a rifle and then a shotgun, but she really does not have much in the way of guns. Mm. Um, and she also you has- she needs to work out? No. Sorry. Uh, sorry, that was a really bad young. dad joke. She's I'm young. sorry. She's gonna work on it, you know. <laughs> she's very young. Yeah, she's yeah. only like fifteen. It's fine. I mean, yeah. She's ripped in part two, so She really There's, is. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very that was something I noticed. Not to make a, a more of a stupid dad joke, but that was something I genuinely noticed <laughs> is that in part two, she looks like yep. she can like be in an MMA fight and win. And like in, yep. here in part one, she's obviously still very young, so it's yeah. a little different. And hey, <laughs> we get to part two, there's a character that can also teach Ellie, how to get those guns if we want to talk about real yep. guns. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Um, and I think all, all of those changes like do a really good job of making Joel and Ellie feel distinctly different because, like, you are seeing, like, you know, things that you... Or, like, situations and enemies that you would have approached one way as Joel, like, that's just not an option for Ellie. Like, to, like go mm-hmm. on, like, head-on and fighting, like, an infected, like, her, me- her like, default melee attack is using her... Uh, her switchblade, and that doesn't have the, the same sort of like uh, stun that Joel's punches do, or like one of the. Uh, actually, yeah, I don't think she either gets any kind of like more general melee weapons when you play with her either. Like a whether it be yeah, like you two just by four use or like you just use the switchblade as yeah. like a weapon, which rules that you have a shiv that has basically unlimited uses. Yeah, yeah. Um, I always liked that. <laughs> yeah, so that's like you know there are there are kind of trade offs there because like I, I consider that like you know a baseline buff for Ellie is that like you never have to worry about having the uh, the supplies for instant kills with clickers and there will be points where it's like if that had been the case where you needed shiv and you did not have uh, the supplies for that it would have been not great because yeah. there are several stealth sections here that involve clickers and so yeah like they do they do a very good job of distinguishing it's like it is you know it is a story moment like we are kind of like shifting perspectives here but like they do a really I think fair job of kind of like nerfing you, but also like give, giving her her own strengths uh, as well as weaknesses. Yeah. Uh, Ken, there was something that you specifically, I was on voice chat with you while I played like the first section of this game. And, and regrettably we missed the chance for me to, to see this myself, but uh, you wanted to highlight the collectibles that Ellie has yeah. in her pack as well. Yeah, so, like, if you go into, like, your inventory and then you go where normally the collectibles that you, as Joel, would have, like, gone around in the world and picked up, and, like, whether that's, like, notes or whatever it is, uh, if you go to that for Ellie, like, she kind of, like, looks into her pack and she has things that she's never, some of them she hasn't even shown to Joel before, because, like, she's got, like, the joke books that she read, that she read back in Pittsburgh, but she has a Firefly pendant for someone named Riley, who we, don't, at this point, don't know who, who that is, but maybe we'll touch on that in a few episodes. Um, the robot that... Sam wanted when they were in Pittsburgh, a Walkman that she doesn't really use it in this game. Now I'm thinking about it, but um, it, it does kind of it does come up in part two. Um, then there's a note from her mother, which she's never talked about before either, which implies that her mother died shortly after she was born, 
and that she was left in the care of Marlene. And so that said a lot in terms of, like, she, she grew up without her mother, but, like, her relationship with Marlene is, like, way, like, it was way, way, way back, more so than we even maybe realized at the time. Yeah. Um, and then she also has the, uh, the photo of Joel and Sarah, which mm-hmm. is not communicated at any point beyond this at this point, um, that she must have stolen that while they were in Jackson, and, like, because Joel gave it back to Tommy, didn't want it, didn't want to think about it, but, uh, Ellie realizing, I guess, like, this sort of a weight that that has been leaving on Joel all these years, realized that, like, he might regret that one day, and, like, she wanted to have it. And she even has voice lines for um, some of these, and it still feels like they're playing into the idea that Joel might be dead, because when you look at that picture, she says, I should have given this to you when I had the chance. So, like, still not really clearing up, because, like... At this point, they're, like, trying to make you believe that you are going to be playing Ellie through the rest of the game. And they stick to that for a, a hot minute, like, long enough for you to worry. hmm Yeah. Yeah. I knew going into this that playing as Ellie was, like, a momentary diversion and not necessarily a, um, like, a whole game sort of thing, like a big, you know, Metal Gear Solitude switcheroo. But mm. um, one of the weird things about playing this section... Uh, that I remember telling you too was that I you know I'm I'm familiar with the game through cultural osmo- osmosis and like seeing a bunch of the cutscenes and stuff. This is actually probably one of the sections of the game that I had the least amount of knowledge about, other mm-hmm. than that you just play as Ellie in this section and that Joel is sick and you're trying to get stuff for him. And I thought that was kind of what the general candor of this was going to be. Mm. Uh, I was wrong. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, this went on a real journey, uh, but it, it was really cool to see, you know, I, we talk a lot about games that do. I feel like Last of Us Part Two got this talked about a lot too at the time, um, not to like spoiler things that we're going to cover later in the show, but I just remember there being a very big to-do about switching perspectives in Last of Us Part Two, and it feels weird having, I mean, it's obviously more prominent in the, in that game, but they, they were doing this already in this game. Right. <laughs> so yeah. it feels weird that, that people, I guess, got like, so in a huff about it, I guess, because, mm. and maybe that's because of the character that you right. switch perspectives to. Um, but there, it maybe does speak to this idea, um, idea that I felt was reinforced by the time I finished the section that like, this is, the part of the game that really solidifies that Joel and Ellie have like a relationship, that they're not just like um, protector and protectee or even like father surrogate and daughter surrogate, but they're like, they actually care for each other mm-hmm. in a way. And, and you know, they're going to look out for each other and they mean something to each other uh, in a way that goes above and beyond honestly how most people have been caring for each other so far in this game yep. um, outside of maybe like Tommy and his community but um, that's not to also give away spring and everything that <laughs> happens in spring but um, it was really interesting because now we get to this part where you know we're, we're Ellie and we're tracking through the snow we're trying to find a deer uh, the world's most immortal deer by the way uh, that thing <laughs> oh, <took> yeah. arrows <laughs> to, to bring down arrow sponge the deer yeah 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 <laughs> like even Ellie remarks at one point like how is this thing still alive like it has lost more blood than a normal deer should have 
and <laughs> we we finally track it into a town, uh, and that's where we run into a group of dudes, uh, which Ellie, smart as she is, immediately draws her bow on them and is like, drop the guns, uh, chuds. At this point, on voice <laughs> chat with Ken, I would like to say, for the record, I was immediately like, these dudes, we're gonna have to kill these dudes. No, we don't. We don't fuck around with these mm. dudes. They say, they say that they're part of a group with women and children. Nah, nah. These dudes, no. Nope. You keep walking, buddy. <laughs> you get mm. out of here. <laughs> these are bad men. They're very yeah. bad. Yeah, uh-huh. there's a. And this was something that I realized last year, and I told Eric to uh, try it out so he would see it too. An interesting, and we'll talk about like you know more of the, the gameplay moments of this in a second. But um, if you're in a gameplay moment with one of these characters around, and you switch to the game's photo mode there's an option to hide certain characters and it's like, I think it's hide player, hide all characters or hide enemies. And if if you specifically go to hide enemies, these characters disappear regardless of any plot revelations that have come up, which was like, it was was interesting that like they, you know, were showing their hand or there was a way to show their hand uh, before they'd actually made the actual reveal. And that was just something that like stuck with me like a year later because I had realized that when I was replaying before part two, about a month or so prior, and I had not realized that when I played the remaster the first time. But but that's the thing, and, and Danielle, I don't know how you felt about this, so I'll pop it to you, but like I felt like yeah. these these dudes were... Obviously, we didn't understand the full extent of their evilness until later, but like the second these dudes started talking, the, the main guy, David, is just... He's got the voice of a dude that I'm like, no, you're you're evil. You, you've yeah. got, like, a basement somewhere. North. You've got a dungeon <laughs> somewhere. Like, Well, he was, he's yeah. doing it then. Like, this mm. dude, evil as heck. He's just like, well, come on now, Ellie. Can't we all just be friends and share resources <laughs> with each other? Why can't we just all work together for the betterment of humanity? And I'm like, nah, dude, you you got you got something somewhere. I don't trust this guy at all. <laughs> yeah, he's like trademark. I don't know how y'all do <clears throat> like content warning stuff. Um, yeah, I think we should probably oh, should say yeah, something let, about that put, ahead of time. Let's just put like this ahead, up. Yeah, ahead content of warning. Time. Content warning for like all sorts of let's say sexual. Um, assault situations yeah. as well as like I don't know murder cannibalism uh, just a lot of <laughs> this shit this is the happens. darkest I think this is the darkest The Last of Us Part 1 gets yeah it, it really dark. is <laughs> some dark shit I, I like I felt like something about his tone kind of like you're saying just screams predator to mm-hmm. me like just mm-hmm. absolutely like raised my own hackles the whole mm-hmm. time I, I was just like oh Oh, no. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, God. This guy. Predator. Like, immediately Predator. So, yeah. yeah. And I think it's, it's one of those things where, like, the context of, like, playing as a young woman and, like, that your perspective has shifted and you were playing a different character, yeah. like, really, like I said, it recontextualizes yeah. everything. And it immediately, like, I was, like, really, like, I was weirdly, like, proud of Ellie, like, how, like, no nonsense. She was not, like, ready to, like, give any leeway for these men to, like, make any sudden movements. Like, it's trick her or anything like there's a point where like he says like if you follow us back to her and then like she cuts him off from me like i'm not following you anywhere like yeah learn mm-hmm. like clearly has learned from joel at this point like cause, you know this is the same character that fucking back in pittsburgh she was like didn't she was ready to like get out of the car and help that guy and joel was like nah like no that's not that's not what this world is like you, you need to be aware that like the, the most seemingly innocent uh gesture can have its own motivations that you might not know about it's very that- Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you go. You go. I was, I was going to say, ahead. it's such a 
weird, tiny, subtle thing, and I'm not even sure if it's entirely on purpose, but we kind of see Ellie's shoes a bunch, especially in the mm-hmm. kind of early scenes. And she's just wearing, like, these little canvas, like, you know, she's just wearing, like, Chuck Taylors, basically, in, like, the snow, in this frozen-ass, freezing place. Like, I, I my feet got cold just looking at it, mm-hmm. right? Like, I was just mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, she's not prepared for the snow. And it just makes her feel vulnerable in a way, mm-hmm. even though she's a very tough and very strong and very capable character in every way. It's just, like, the reality of the situation being she is out there hunting kind of on her own and she has to be kind of the protector in a way and yet she's still a kid right. in, in mm-hmm. so many ways so like again i'm not even sure if i'm reading too much into it but that really really struck me this time of her being like she doesn't even have boots like she doesn't right. even have the proper gear to be out here yeah. in this shit you know and the so, way yeah. she kills dudes is not like the way joel does where joel like he's brutal but he he knows what he's trying to do to end somebody's life you know he has like very yeah. he has determination behind his movements whereas ellie just kind of like flings herself onto a dude's back and starts stabbing at stuff with a mm-hmm. switchblade and stuff like like she's you can yeah. you can tell a little bit that she's got the fire but she still isn't necessarily like trained at this yet right. the way that Joel has been over literal decades of doing this yeah. and yeah. I think the other thing that really stuck out for me too was that um, you know Ellie isn't making all those mistakes like you said like Ellie's not um, being trusting or being uh, even necessarily forgiving um, you know immediately she's like I'm not gonna just give you stuff what can you trade? And, and obviously antibiotics is, is the one that comes up and, um, she immediately goes for that. She wants antibiotics. And so one of, one of the two dudes, uh, not David. Yeah. I don't remember his name. Buddy boy. Buddy boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, runs off to go, uh, get the antibiotics at their camp and come back. And, uh, meanwhile, she and David are sitting there and she's got her gun trained on him. Like basically the whole time, and um, this, at, at some point, some clickers and runners start showing up, and that's where we have this scene where they're basically holding up inside this cabin uh, with the deer while they're trying to hold off a a wave of infected. And the first time one shows up, uh, he pulls out a handgun from his waistband to shoot it, and she's like, "Wait a minute, you had a pistol." Um, Mm -hmm. and he's just like, sorry or whatever. And after you hold off the horde, he says something about like, Oh, I'd like my rifle back. And she's like, you got a pistol. (laughs) Yeah. And that was the moment where I was like, Ellie is in this situation. And obviously now that we know she wants the antibiotics, that's the implication that, um, she wants them for Joel. Um, or, or at least wants them for, for someone else, presumably Joel. And, uh, I think that's kind of what accelerates her being more mature and more untrusting and stuff is now much like Joel had someone else that he was looking out for and Mm. was not willing to trust strangers because it could endanger them. Like we talked about way back in, in like the, the prologue section of this game where they don't pull over and stop for that family on the side of the road when they're escaping uh, in the beginning. Uh, Here we have Ellie who is trying to keep Joel alive. And she knows that any sort of thing that endangers her endangers Joel's chances of living Mm. as well. So she can't take chances. She's not going to give this rifle back to this dude. She's not going to let, you know, follow anyone anywhere. She's going to play this as safe as she can. So she can get what she needs to keep Joel alive and fuck everybody else. (laughs) 
And I, I dig that. I like I dig this section a lot because it, it really does show like how much that changes now that Joel is not in the picture. That now that the tables have kind of turned on who is depending on who. Um, I right. think that changes their relationship a lot in this one segment. So, yeah. um, buddy boy. It was boy. also. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was just <laughs> laughing at buddy boy. <laughs> <laughs> buddy boy. Yeah. It was also like again remembering back. This was at a time where it was honestly still kind of a big deal when you had a playable woman character mm. like mm-hmm. not unheard of of course this is right. 2013 but in a game of this size it was kind of notable at the time yeah. just like even though obviously what 80 plus percent of the game you're playing as Joel it was like oh I I even had that feeling when right. I played it I was like oh that's that's cool so it, it even is um like a notable factor at the time yeah, and it starts to kind of like play into, I guess, what would eventually become part two is that like the sort of, um, you know, it's the nature of video games to be looking for what a sequel, like a possible sequel might be leading up yeah. to. And like like this whole game at this point has been, like there have been points where Joel is teaching Ellie how to use a rifle she, he, and he's teaching her how to survive and, you know, the, the lay of the land. And, you know, you're, 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 the gears start to turn and like, what could a possible sequel be? Probably playing as this character instead and what, what all that leads to. And then the ways it leads yeah. to, I think, is also... Again, again, not to spoil or like talk too much about part two. I think the the ways in which it kind of hands that torch over are very symbolic in ways that I think are worth discussing, which we'll get to when we get like a couple episodes now from, from now. But uh, yeah, like like you said, like at the at the time, like that very like that that switch felt very like important. Like not in a way like it is not necessarily the whole game, but it, like what it can what it can lead to, what it's hinting towards. I think was for the time like kind of radical. And so now we're we're in a segment where we're basically just going through room after room of various infected clickers, uh, runners, stuff like that. Um, Ken, I'm glad you noted noted this because uh, early on, like um, I think you mentioned that like Ellie has more stealth in her in her kit just by necessity. Mm. Um, needs the switchblade, needs the bow and stuff like that because you don't have many of the other tools that you've been given up to this point. Which meant that I was playing more stealthy as her. But also, it just made me really hate the bow. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, valid. The more I played this, the more I was like, man, I I have not played part two yet. Y'all have told me that the bow feels more like bows should feel in video games. But yeah, holding L2 to draw the bow back and then hitting R2 to release, I was just like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> and and the weird arc it does, those arrows, like, I'm sorry, like, it's not a great bow, but it's not, like, a terrible bow. And I really don't think it should have... The, I, know, I understand, like, gameplay design-wise why it has the fall-off it does, so you have to kind of put a little more thought into how you're aiming and being careful and timing your shots, but the fall-off on the arrows is real. <laughs> like, <laughs> they go about, like... 10 feet and then crater to the earth and i'm like okay like how is how does this arrow have the ability to like pierce somebody's skull yet it can't make it further than like half a yard down the field (laughs) this is something that's like occurring to me now like have you been upgrading the bow generally throughout the game um i have started to do it at this point but i've not been putting a ton of upgrades into it um yeah. mostly because like as joel i played loud anyways mm. like maybe it's like 
a self-fulfilling prophecy like Bo sucks so why would I put points into Bo I'll just go loud <laughs> instead uh, so I try to use the bow, but then it sucks and, and I just go loud. Whereas maybe if I had put more points into the bow and if I had put my faith in the bow and trusted in the bow, I, the bow. Yeah. I might have been able to stealth this game. But honestly, I like that Ellie is trying to play it careful and play it smart stay alive but the second i start playing as joel in this section i'm like who wants to die first <laughs> Gun, <laughs> it, guns yeah. out let's go <laughs> and it, it's something that like i wonder now because i don't immediately know off the top of my head if because I, I don't think ellie's using joel's bow so like, i don't think the upgrades carry over because i do right. distinctly remember she, when i switch when you switch back to joel like i had the bow still so um right and she doesn't have some of the other upgrades that joel has like i definitely noticed the lack of listening mode distance and mm. stuff like that yeah Maybe it just um, speaks to, like, lack of experience, like, relative. Yeah. Although, that one, now that I'm thinking of it, it's like, wouldn't her ears be less bad because yeah. she's so young? I was literally just thinking that. I was like, wait, how does the old man... <laughs> like, you're telling me Joel doesn't have tinnitus. Concerts. Yeah. He's shooting guns all the time without ear protection. Sorry, that's getting to be, like, CinemaSins shit, but I'm mm. kind of like... <laughs> you know, she probably does have better hearing. Yeah, a little there. But she doesn't yeah. know what she's listening for. That's uh, maybe that's true. It. Oh, oh. It's yeah. the experience issue, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it is like something and it's something that I'm I wonder now, because like there are points later where like because there's like there's a blizzard happening, there's a snowstorm, like and your hearing is not necessarily as good. There are points where, like they play into that. I think you can't hear as far in those sections and they like, you know, really you know, are able to make that sort of uh, limitation makes sense within the context of things, but um, yeah, I don't know, it's just one of the things, like, you, you stare at it long enough, sentiment sense bullshit, so. I do think <laughs> this is one of the sections that best plays with your expectations in terms of listing mode and stuff like that. There is one section at the very end of this uh, where it pulled, it tried to pull some shit on me, and I caught it trying to pull some shit on me, and I was like, ah, <laughs> you're not getting me that easily, but, oh, it got close. It was, it was real close, but I'm mm. excited to get to that part, but um yeah it, it it does a lot of stuff like that i just love it when i can eat pills and hear more um that's it's <laughs> my goal in the apocalypse is to right? eat pills and hear more and live longer um so we we fight through a ton of of infected we eventually get to a part where there's even like a bloater in the middle of this mess and i felt like the game just started dropping me molotov cocktails because it was like look if we don't give you these like you don't really have a way to kill this thing (laughs) um so i was i was thankful for that at least um and it's funny that she calls it a bloater and david's like what's a bloater and part of me was like, oh, yeah, there's probably, like, some jargon, some, like, local terms mm. that people have for things. But also at the same time, if you're in a room and you're, not, like, standing in that room is, like, a bunch of dilapidated stuff, a small girl, maybe a couple, like, infected, and then a really big thing that's spewing, like, noxious <laughs> ooze and, and, you know, like, spores and all that. Through context clues, I think David should have understood. Oh, a bloater. <laughs> I, yeah, it's also like, it just made me think, and this is maybe a little goofy, but it made me think of how I had like names for Mario characters right. and like things in yes, the Mario universe. Absolutely. Like when I was a little kid, I, would, I used to call those fuzzy things Charlie Fur. I don't know where that shit came from. I used to call lava hot water. Why did I do that? I don't know. Maybe Ellie, this is like my headcanon. Ellie's just like a bloater. And like, it's just, that's, that's yeah, it. No, you that's, know? That's, that's, that's an interesting thing. Like, 
this is not where like mass communication is happening. Like this is a universe where that doesn't really happen anymore. There's no so, wiki. Yeah, you know, it's like you know, the lexicon has to change, or like it's going to be different across like in different communities. And I just think that's like interesting small like thing that they play with. And I think I vaguely remember that coming up in part two in ways because there are more like distinct cultures and factions yeah. in those games where like they might have different language for different things. So it's just it's just yeah. an interesting thing like these interesting little pieces of world building that they kind of like slip in to these I w- exchanges. I would have loved David to have had like a different word for that, like a completely different one that made no, like, oh yeah, we call that a gabagool. And you're like, what? No, that's not what that is. <laughs> oh, good. David, no. <laughs> David! I mean, David would. That's the thing. David sucks. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. David is bad. He would call it something not yeah. okay. Like, I mean, yeah. fair. Um, <laughs> speaking of David being bad, speaking of yeah. David being bad, um, so we go back, like, like we get back to the campfire, and it seems like Ellie's kind of relaxed her guard after surviving, you know, a literal hellscape with David, and you know they're kind of chatting and stuff, and David, you know, Ellie's like, oh, we got lucky, and David's like, there's no such thing as luck, you know, put a pin in this. Um, I believe everything happens for a reason, and I can prove it to you. And he mentions that his group had been having trouble, and they sent out a group uh, to look for food, and only a few came back, but they had all, everyone who survived said the others were slaughtered by a crazy man traveling with a little girl. Dun, dun, dun. Fucking chills up my spine. Yeah, Yeah, same. Yeah. Uh, Ellie like pulls the gun and he's like, you know, calm down, put the gun down. Buddy boy shows back up. He's got the gun out too. He wants to, to shoot Ellie, but David's like, nah, chill. Just give her the meds. We're going to make the trade. She's just a kid. It's whatever. Um, offers to like bring her along, uh, and you know, like come join our group instead. Uh, and we take off. And again, this is, this is the part where even before anything, any more developments happen, I go, Ellie, you're riding a horse in the snow. Yeah. Please, like, do things that will make it harder for them to track where you're going. Like, don't they, don't they do that in the movies where you, like, tie a tree branch to the back of the horse so it, like, rides behind the horse and, and like, messes up the, the hoof prints so it doesn't show in the snow? Am I just, like... Yeah, Am I weird? like a little blanket back there and like I don't know. I mean yeah. I, I just don't know. I don't know nothing about yeah. this. So I mean, it, do people it, not it, it, think it, about alibis all the time? Do people not think about how to get away with things all the time? Because you need to be thinking about that in this specific moment. In this how world, to, yeah. Yeah. It, it's one of those things where like for all like the, the clear things that she has learned from Joel, like she still has a lot to learn. Like things that she does not know to consider or plan for. Mm-hmm. And this one's maybe the the biggest mistake, uh, but we'll get to why in a moment. <laughs> uh, we we head back to town and we go down. We finally find Joel. Joel is is in the basement of a house, uh, sleeping on the world's nastiest looking mattress. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, oh, he's not. You're gonna need more than antibiotics. Like that's that's where the viral infection's coming from. Yeah. Um, and but he's got a a stitched up wound where that rebar went through him. Uh, you know, he's obviously going through it and, uh, Ellie gives him some of the antibiotics with a syringe, which altogether good syringe practices from Ellie in this situation. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. Not I, was ba- looking- I, I was going to say like, 
I would have appreciated a little bit more of, like, a swipe with the alcohol first, but, you know, she's actually doing pretty safe handling, like, in the animation. I was about to say, would she have had alcohol? But you pick up, like, bottles of alcohol everywhere. Yeah, you pick up alcohol everywhere, so. Yeah. Yeah. It is one of the things, like, it, it, um, I don't know that they've explicitly talked about this, like, she has, like, some level of medical training from her, uh. Oh, right, that's true. from the military place that she. I think that might be. Specific. I I feel like that is touched on in the in the DLC. Yeah, that's uh, that would be um, the point where it's brought up for sure. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, mm, I'm excited. But you don't know that, that yet if you're just playing this now. So no. or if that's your name is a... Eric and you've never played the <laughs> DLC. Well, right, you haven't played it before, so <laughs> it's going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to potentially more syringe adventures in the DLC. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But no, she, she was good. I, th- I think she had the plunger fully depressed and all that, so she wasn't she getting totally any did. air bubbles or anything in there. I was like, good job. You know, like, good work, Ellie. We'd love to see it. Um, doesn't know how to cover up her tracks, but by God, she knows how to inject a syringe. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that would be me. <laughs> <laughs> that would actually be me. I'd be like, I don't fucking horse. Whatever, but I'd be like, but I know how to use a yeah. needle. <laughs> like, no, just... We we all have different talents that we bring to every situation, <laughs> right? <laughs> so we got Danielle's the the nurse, the, the doctor. Go. I I will yeah. be the the gruff cowboy who knows about survival and such. Uh, Ken, what do you bring into the table when we're in the apocalypse? Uh, I'm tiny, so I am stealthy. Oh damn! Oh, see, right. there you go. Yeah. That's pretty good. Legitimately, that's not a bad set of skills. Do you, right here. do you have a do you have a thing with claustrophobia? I mean, yeah, but if I gotta deal with it, it's you know. Okay, that's that's better than me. I cannot do tight and close spaces to save my life. Like I, yeah, no, I would be bad in those situations. So we've got a team here. We'll survive the apocalypse. We've got a, we've got a decent team. <laughs> honestly, we've got a decent team. You know. Um, Anyways, Ellie injects Joel with the biotics and kind of lays down next to him. It's very sweet. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then yeah. morning comes and it's not sweet anymore because Ellie done tracked the whole hunting pack oh, all the way into the town. Um, apparently, they're not that smart because like, if she was really not hiding her tracks that well, they should have led right to that garage door and they seem to come in from the other side of the town. So I don't know what happened there, but, uh, I have like a headcanon thing where she thought she was being good and like made the horse, you know, kind of run around a while. Like mm. that she like oh, tried yeah. a little, but it just didn't really work. I'll have uh, the horse run around inside the town. Wait, wouldn't that yeah, still lead them I, it's to not, the town? It's not the <laughs> smartest, but <laughs> like that she's, she's trying somewhere. She's trying. <laughs> She had the thought, you know. Yeah. Uh, we we end up deciding that we're gonna distract them by uh, by getting away. Uh, so basically, like uh, we we sneak out of the house and and try to get away on the horse. And then a dude tries tries to grab us, and we we stab him right in right in the neck. Good stuff, Ellie. Uh, <laughs> and then we we do this really weird horse riding section that. Almost feels like it should have been in Rise, Son of Rome for some reason. Like, that was the feeling I got from it. Because you're just kind of, like, riding along and dudes, like, latch onto your horse and you got to kick him off and all that. Yeah. Very um, silly. Yeah. And also, they're all yelling, shoot the horse, shoot the horse. But, man, nobody actually tries to. I, I, I got shot more than the horse did in this section. I mean, they, uh, they, they, they farted up to it eventually. Yeah, yeah, they eventually land the shot, and we gotta do some stealthing and some some murdering. And really, it's just one big like segment where we're going through 
all these different, you know, waist high cover areas, like through a nature trail and eventually up to a, uh, like kind of a resort, uh, situation, um, murdering a whole bunch of dudes or sneaking past them, I guess, if you didn't want to murder them. But I, I know I did a lot of murder. <laughs> Those guys um, died in your playthrough, huh? <laughs> oh yeah. Look, in, in some sections I have like tried to just sneak by people because I, I felt bad. I felt like it was honestly, you know, like, let's just let bygones be bygones. But these dudes were here to kill Joel and kill me. Anybody that gets by me could find Joel. So, uh, <laughs> murder is gonna happen yeah all right all right that's Um, fair i i i admit i had trouble stealthing because i think a lot of it came down to like like we said earlier like ellie's stealth kills like with the switchblade are like so untrained like she'll just jump on the dude's back and they by because like you were jumping on them they stumble out right into the line of Mm -hmm. sight of other enemies like maybe got like one or two stealth kills in there and then the other ones that kind of had to like set up bombs etc and it was yeah they also Very introduced young. a mechanic, I felt, or at least if they had not had this before, this was the first time I started to notice it, um, that there are dudes who are kind of just unarmed, and they were, like, intentionally sneaking around and trying to hunt me and catch me by, like, not, you know, tipping off my listening mode until they were way too close. Mm. And, um, there was one dude that grabbed me when I went out of a window. Like, he was just waiting there for me and stuff. Like, there was mm. a... There's a lot of stuff like that where I was like, okay, they're really like the human enemies have kind of been static in that they've just been dudes with guns or Molotovs or, or bats or whatever up to this point, but they've found this like interesting new enemy in this area, like a dude that just grabs you. Um which is it's it's freaky the first time it happens. Yep. You're like, wait, you're not supposed mm. to be able to do that. Um and we eventually deal with it and stab them. Although a lot of times somebody else shot that dude while I was trying to get rid of them and there would be like team kills on the side of the other guys. And so I was like, well, these dudes are not bright. Mm. They probably got to, what are they eating? They're not eating their good stuff. (laughs) 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 Anyway, Um, after we get through the resort and stuff, we, we get to an area where we're trying to bust out and uh, who else shows up, but David, and he grabs you from behind and starts, you know, like, you know, holding, choke holding you out to sleep while saying, relax, I'm trying to save you. Stop. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, no, <laughs> stop, David, bad, David. <laughs> oh, I hate it. Yeah. Yeah. He's the worst. He's, I mean, and we're about to get even closer to why he's the actual worst because we wake up and we are in a cage and across from us is an actual human body being cut up into pieces, um, which is a thing. And luckily, Ellie understands context clues because when David walks in with a tray of food and tries to offer it to us, she's immediately like, what kind of meat is it? And I'm like, oh. Mm. Uh, he says it's deer, promises that it's not human. Um, Ellie, honey, I... Mm, I would not trust a word of what that dude says. Yeah. I, she eats it, and I feel like at some at some level, like if you were that hungry, and you were like that starving, and you needed your energy about you to survive, you just say, you know what, on on this one time, I'm gonna roll the dice. But yep. any other moment, I'm like, no, that's human. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, Ellie. <laughs> like, ugh. um. So now we know that David, uh, David's group, alongside being, you know, like angry and full of revenge, uh, also cannibals. Fun fact. 
Um, and we what are nice in a cage. Yeah. yeah. And we're I in mean, a cage. If there were, there was, <sighs> there is room for this kind of thing in like an, a legitimate survival situation of like, okay, our friends already died and we ate mm. them kind of thing. Like, given the snow and given all that kind of stuff. But they play it up as like, no, we just fucking eat people. Right. Like, this is just like something we do. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. They have they, a cage and they're using a cage. Like, it's right. not. Yeah. And the cage is in the butcher area, which I feel yep. like you don't put the cage in the butcher area if one is not, you know, like part and parcel with the other, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, even, on, even on that, like, we'll, we'll, we'll get through sections here where, like, you, you kind of get the sense that this is a community of, like, even, like, like he wasn't bullshitting about the women and children. And um, I I just, it makes my stomach turn. Like, just, because there's a point later where, some, where there's a woman that you can hear kind of, like, and they're just being like, oh, I'm going to take the kids to the shelter. And I'm like, oh, God, these kids are, that's that's the world they live in. That's where they're growing up. That's what they're being taught is normal. I, I think the, th- the other thing that gets really creepy about this that we get into the further in we get into the section as we see it from other perspectives is that this is clearly, it isn't just, you know, as Danielle mentioned, there is like a time and place for like a survival situation but this is a system. They got a right. system that they're this running. It's a community. Yeah. Um, like that it's so ingrained. And I think the other thing, uh, can we once again get to flaunt our southernness on this <laughs> show? Um, there's a lot of southern evangelical tones in right. in this section, especially with David, once David kind of goes full mask off and and you know stops playing the unassuming predator and just starts playing the predator. Um, There's a lot of like iconography and phrasing and stuff that feel felt eerily reminiscent of like Southern preacher stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh boy. (laughs) I mean, where, where are we at this point? I think we're still in Colorado. Um, Theoretically, uh, we, yeah, we, we must be because we didn't, um, we have not gotten far from the college, so we must be somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah. um, maybe yeah, in it, the it, wrong area, but no, I mean, it, it does, like, like you said, just kind of like has that feeling of like a sort of leader figure that is often ascribed to like uh, leaders of church, and mm-hmm. although, like, you can kind of see it, like, the the, uh, the themes are starting to wear on it just because like people are not really feeling like David's calls at this point. So like you maybe get the sense that like they're not like that. I don't know that the, the, there's trouble in paradise basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there's a part specifically later that really did it for me, but we'll get to that. Um, yeah. So we were, we're holed up in here and you know, he gives her food and all that. Um, they kind of go back and forth and he's going again. Like we need to know, that you're going to be loyal. We need to know that you're cool. And then she's like, well, are you going to like chop me up into pieces or whatever if I don't? Um, and he keeps, this is something that he had been, David had been doing for a while, even while we were playing earlier and while we were partnered up with him during the infested attack. But he keeps asking for Ellie's name. He wants to know Ellie's name. And she's been mm-hmm. refusing it every time. Um, and so he kind of, he, he comes up to the, the gate and is like, we've been on, you know, I've been honest. Um, we, you know, I want to convince them that you're special, that you can come around. And he says the line, like you have heart, you're loyal and you're special. And 
he he like makes he, he touches Ellie's hand, which is on on the the gate, mm. and immediately we're like, okay, here we go. Um, that's what this is. All right. Um, and then Ellie, with maybe the biggest boss move of the game. <laughs> Like, kind of lures him in a little bit with her other hand and kind of, like, strokes it a little bit and grabs that fucker and bites the finger like crazy and goes for yes. the keys on his on his belt. And she does not get them, sadly. Um, there's, like, a just barely moment where she almost has them and he gets away. And, um, you know, he goes, like, stupid girl, you're making it very difficult to keep you alive. What am I supposed to tell the others? He, I'm also, like, doing a little bit of his accent now because he goes very much from, like, a you're very special to me. Like you stupid little girl, you're making it hard to keep you alive. Um, yeah. And, and she's like, Ellie. And he's like, what? Tell them Ellie is a little girl who broke your fucking finger. And I was yes! like, yes. yes. <laughs> Ellie. Ah, oh, Ellie. Fantastic video game character. Ellie from the last <laughs> So of good. Oh Lord. Mm. Um, Ken, we do have a note here that I feel like we do. I mean, we've already kind of put up a content warning a little bit for this episode, but it it does bear mentioning again that, yeah, this is going to deal with stuff like that where David is very obviously a predator. Um, mm. And also it feels like there are implications that through something that another character says in the section we're about to play that... David uh, is specifically a predator of younger people, mm. um, yep. which is another kind of awful, terrible thing. Mm. Um, we're just yeah. piling it on in this section here. Yeah. yeah. Danielle, is there a happy game you like that we can bring you back on to talk about? <laughs> uh, yeah, I like, uh, I'm really obsessed with Cozy Grove right now. That's pretty Fantastic. happy. Fantastic. Oh, <laughs> That's real cozy- cute. Cozy Grove, yeah. Norm DFM playthrough. I, I like it to the breach. It's not really happy, but nobody's hurt in this way. So. Yeah, I mean, that's hopeful. Everybody's like really hopeful in that, you know? Yeah. yeah. They <laughs> kill aliens in their mechs. That's sick. Yeah. It's awesome. I'm pretty happy about it. <laughs> um, yeah. So, Ken, where uh, are we kind of at with this? I, I think The Last of Us is able to approach this topic. Like, it basically express the the danger of what this is and that, you know, this horrifying thing is possible in this world without ever... Because I think you have to be very careful when you talk about these things. And I think that's Mm -hmm. not even just a video game thing. I think that is across the board. Like, you have to be aware of how you can communicate these things without ever having to... I don't know, like, like you don't... I think you can talk about these things and, like, make that a reality without having to actually outwardly portray the reality. And I think they... I think The Last of Us does about as well as it could have in the circumstance by keeping it subtle enough and not overt that we ever have to, like, sit with it for very long. But, like, it does, you know, make... Like, it does kind of, like, completely recontextualize his character in a way that, like, obviously, like, we know he's a bad guy at this point and that his group eats people. But, um... Yeah. Like it, like I said earlier, like, you're when you switch to a character like Ellie, like, there are certain dangers that are not necessarily applicable to Joel. And they're able to communicate that in a way that again like I think they I, I don't really know what, what more to say about it than that I think they did it about as well as they possibly could have because like I mean I've seen games that have tried to deal with it themselves and just like couldn't find a way to strike that balance and yeah I don't 
I don't know really what else to say about it because like it's a thing that I wish I did not have to experience in any game. But I think if it's going to be in there and they are able to pull it out in a way that is respectful and also like both of the gravity and also like how it might affect somebody maybe has been through that, I think the game did it well as well as it could. Yeah, it, it actually, to be honest, I remember it being even more explicit than it actually is in the game. Right. Um, mm. In my head, I was like stealing myself to kind of watch this again. Right. Um, especially the, are we at the kind of moment where it all comes to a head or, or am I jumping ahead too much? Right? I mean, we're, we're essentially like, the next part is where we shift back to Joel. So we're, we're kind of getting to the point where it all comes to a head, but. Okay. I won't, I won't like speak too far ahead or anything, but I genuinely remember uh, just it's been so long and i guess the implications are so strong and and what it is but i remember it uh even being more explicit than it is uh Mm -hmm. like that the attack is of a sexual nature that there's a specific like i don't know why i guess i thought it got even closer to certain things than it did but i think that's just how strong it was in my mind and like how much of a you know (laughs) kind of a um an impression that it made, I suppose. And like, when I was like, okay, we're going to do winter. I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta watch that scene again. And it's not like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm good to watch or play or, you know, kind of experience whatever. I'm, 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 I'm good. I'm all right. But Mm. I know how much this stuff is very, very, very heightened and can be really upsetting to a lot of folks. So, uh, just kind of knowing it was coming up, I was like stealing myself for it a Mm. little bit. Um, and yeah, it's just, it is, I mean, David is maybe the most monstrous presence in the entire the yeah. whole thing, yeah. basically, oh, yeah. right? Like, the actual worst person. I mean, I, I I, don't think Joel... I like Joel as a character. I don't think he's, like, a great dude. <laughs> and right. you're, you're not supposed to think he's a great dude by any means. But, um, you know, he certainly is not doing this kind of thing. And right. it's it's very... It, it is handled, I think, in a relatively subtle and, like respectful fashion but it is it is something that i think actually perhaps i'm not the only example of this but that like it wears on you later more than it does in the moment like it's not like oh a shock factor thing it's more like you think about it you think about it you think about it and that's more horrifying to think about yeah yeah and and i think we're gonna get into this like right in this section but like yeah i think in terms of there being moral grays in this world we've had a lot of them especially with joel um but this is one section where I just felt zero <laughs> like remorse right. over the things yep. I did. Um, yep. <laughs> and we'll, we'll get into it here because as Joel, Joel comes to uh, it's the antibiotics have worked. Um, he, he grabs his backpack, his trusty pack and which conveniently has just dozens and dozens of guns and ammo and Molotovs still in it. <laughs> um, yeah which I really loved. I was like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> we're, we're back at it, baby. We picked up the Metroid power-ups. <laughs> um, and we we wander outside, and we're looking everywhere for Ellie, calls out and stuff. Um, and then all of a sudden, a bullet pings into the wall near us, and a couple dudes show up. And yeah, this is the moment where... The, the one video game moment that I think I always relate to in moments like this is in Tomb Raider, the first reboot one where there's a part where Laura Croft gets a machine gun and she comes out of the gate. And, and th- up to this point, she has just been, you know, like struggling to survive and kill people and stuff like that and uh, barely getting by. And she picks up the machine gun and it is the moment where you can see in her face even that she's just 
fed up with it. And she comes <laughs> out of the gate and literally just starts screaming, run, run, I've got a machine gun now. And like, <laughs> just, you're just murdering people. And it's like the most honestly cathartic moment for this character because she has just realized that these are terrible people. There is no reasoning with them. And she is going to have to just embrace that side of her to survive and all that. And here with me, like when I saw these dudes and they like, they shot at me. They came into this town where my daughter surrogate was trying to heal me from a freaking rebar attack. And they're going (laughs) to shoot at Joel. And oh, I was guns out. I was literally L1 sprinting at these dudes. (laughs) Like, (laughs) they're no quarter for these guys. And, um,. And and we eventually catch up with someone. We get into a QTE where uh, we uh, we fight with some dudes and and tussle with them and and finally get them both knocked down and take them into a house. And then, oh man, this scene. <sighs> this is this is a hell of a scene. Um, yeah. There's a lot of like, I I know this is an audio podcast, but I wanted to specifically stress that. In this segment, and I'd say also the segment that happens coming up with Ellie uh, in the motel, there is some real, like, thought going into how things are framed and, like, mm. yeah. where things are placed in the right. frame. And I think that's, like, generally, that's a thing that Last of Us has done well up to this point is just thinking about framing and where characters are and how they stand in relationship to each other. Even subtle things like whether a character is in the foreground of the frame or the background of a frame. Um, you know, your basic, like, I took a film class in college shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Not to, not to talk about it like, oh, this is high cinema, but it's like, you know, there's, there's some thought put into this. And I like that, that this was, I I don't think it was the game that started that, but it was definitely one of the games you can point to. It's like, this got a lot of people thinking about that stuff more often. Right. Um, and in this section, in this cutscene, we see one guy is lying beat up against the wall near the radiator, and the other guy is sitting in a chair tied up, facing away from him. And Joel is just beating the ever-loving shit out of this out of radiator guy, not even asking <laughs> questions, just wailing on mm. this dude. Um, and then he stands up, does not say anything to him, and walks over to Chair Guy. So Chair Guy has had to sit here just hearing the sound of his buddy getting beaten to hell and back, not being able to see it, which I think is even more horrifying. Mm. And then Joel walks up and he's got a knife and he says, all right, where's Ellie? And you know, he's, he's, he's like, okay, you know, what girl? I don't know what you're talking about. And he drives that knife right down into that dude's knee. <laughs> and, and then he has the line where I'm just like, okay, this is, yeah, Joel's in it where the dude is like screaming in pain and Joel like pats him on the cheek a little bit and says hey hey focus right here right here talk to me where's the girl or I'm gonna pop your kneecap out and I was like oh my god this dude's back and honestly like I feel for Joel in the scene because Mm -hmm. this is if if we've now seen what Ellie is like you know having to care for Joel and how that has changed her now we're seeing Joel where Ellie is gone taken he has no clue where she even might be it's not even like she's in danger but he's able to get there and help him like he has literally no idea where ellie is or what's happening Mm -hmm. and this is him like we're gonna cut through the bullshit and you're gonna tell me what i need to know uh and then he fucks this dude's kneecap up 
and lodges <laughs> the knife in his mouth, pulls a map out, and says, "Mark on the map where where Ellie is, and your friend better point to the same spot." And he marks a spot, and then Joel breaks his neck. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes to the other guy, and the other guy says, "Oh, just, uh, I ain't telling you shit. Why, you know, uh, you know, dude, the other guy was telling the truth." And he's like, "Come on," <laughs> and Jill's like, "That's all right, I believe him," and then fucks that dude up too. Mm. <laughs> like, and all of this is like extreme gratuitous violence, and there is, you know, like some like, "Oh my God, Jill's really going at him." This is, but I think the part that like made it click in my head for why I was like, I felt that like protective father will do literally anything Mm -hmm. to save his surrogate daughter right here. Um, One of them makes a mention where they say like, she's David's newest pet. Mm. Yeah. And the second I heard that every act of violence I committed against these dudes felt totally justified Mm. (laughs) because I was like, okay, so not only do they know that she's there and they're lying about his, her location, um, they know David, they know what David does. They know what's going to happen to her and they're clearly okay with it. Okay with it to the point that they're going to go try and kill the only dude that would stop it from happening. And they clearly have no compunction about it happening themselves. So, uh, murder the shit out of these dudes Mm. (laughs) and go about my way. Um, yeah. I mean, Ken, this is a hell of a scene. Mm. Yeah. It's a, and it's also one that like gets pointed back to in very interesting ways that maybe in in part two specifically that maybe illustrate differences between who Joel and Ellie are in ways that I have really come to appreciate, which we'll get into in several episodes from now. Um, it's, uh, one thing I want to talk about that you're talking about, with, like the framing of it specifically, is that despite the fact that this is like a very like violent scene, the game doesn't really seem to have an interest in showing that violence in a way that is like mm-hmm. something that you're like meant to see and like relish in or maybe feel disgusted by because right. that's some, like something that like God of War does, where it's like oh like the the violence is like pornographic in the way that they frame it, where the like this scene and something that's going to happen later, like it's less about the violent act and as what what it actually like you know the gore and the violence and what that means it's just more like what these characters are doing to each other and why they're doing it because i i gotta admit like it, it, it is you know it is literally a torture scene but like this is a man that is like like you said trying to find like a surrogate daughter that has like saved his life multiple times at this point and like there was a point in pittsburgh where he would have drowned if it had not been for ellie here he would have mm-hmm. you know died of an infection and um that is kind of like you know the uh the thesis of The Last of Us is, like, are atrocities committed in the name of protecting somebody that you care about justified? And, um, yeah, it just kind of, like, I I know at this point, like, there are going to be people that feel like they, are, they totally can't relate to Joel anymore when they've seen him do this thing that is awful to look at, awful to be in the room for. But, like, I don't feel like, I, I almost feel like that's not meeting the game halfway like the, the series halfway, like if you think that violence by and is inherently this immoral thing, which you know that's valid, like that is a perfect, perfectly valid thing to come to this series with. And if you're not down for that, then I, you know, this is not the game for you. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it's like it, I don't know, like it's, it's a weird thing to say. Like The Last of Us often frames violence as an act of love in its own in a way that I think has largely colored why I enjoy the series so much, just because like it is speaking a language that 
has like meaning depending on who's using it. I it's supposed to be a horrifying scene, but I don't view it that way, and I don't view scenes like it throughout the series that way either. Yeah. I I do want to say like off that, um, I feel like you definitely point out right that this is like you know our atrocities committed. Um, in the benefit of like someone you care about, like considered atrocities. I think it's also a little bit, uh, you know, and this is not an original question to ask, but like, what would it take for a person to have to do this to another person? Like what could drive you to that? And I think so often when you look at other fiction, um, you know, you like your walking deads and stuff like that. I feel like walking dead is just the easiest, like parallel line to draw to the last of us. Um, and so often it's like driven by death in some way. And I think that's why it's always kind of turned me off is, is like somebody has to die for any of the other characters to have motivation to do anything. So like, you know, in walking dead, like the Negan scene of, of, you know, with the bat and everything like that's a very infamous scene for good reason, because it was very shocking and stuff. And same with like game of Thrones and the red wedding and all that. But, um, what has really struck me the most about this section in particular and why I think it's like quickly become one of my favorite sections of, like game storytelling is that it's not necessarily driven by someone dying. It's driven by the fear of someone dying. It's driven mm-hmm. by the fear of losing someone that you love or mm-hmm. the fear of them, like never being able to see them again. It's driven by wanting like their well being to be kept. And it's not just like, you know, the easier thing to do in this section would have been to kill one of the characters and just say like, now the other one's filled with revenge and they're, going down a dark <laughs> path to fulfill it. And I know I'm just setting myself up for all the stuff we're going to talk about in Last of Us Part Two, but <laughs> 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 I know I'm just really teeing that one up well. But um, it's that's what the difference is for me with Joel here is like Joel is not necessarily doing this because he's, you know, somebody has died and he wants revenge. I think if he wanted revenge, he would just shot these dudes. Like that's, he's not necessarily a dude who cares about like the sort of sadistic torture that maybe a David type would, but he Mm -hmm. wants to find Ellie. He wants to locate her and he's going to use the methods best at his disposal to do it and then get on his way and get, and get to it. And that's, that comes across in this scene. Like the, when he does the little pat and he's like, focus up right here. And he, he's not spending a long time torturing these dudes. Like it's, it's a pretty quick, but, painful mm. torture but he's trying to find out where ellie is and get a move on um right and i think that just stuck with me that like this is he noted in your notes here that's like it's not played up in a way that's like early god of war or anything where it's like <laughs> this isn't like even i'd say saw or anything like that where it's like mm. look at how gruesome this is right. like um uh it's it's like no, Joel is not fucking around. <laughs> like that's that's the message that's coming across. This is how much Joel cares is that he is so easily able to just switch this on in just so he is able to find Ellie and, and he has no clearly no like feeling of remorse about doing it either. Um mm. so, there's yeah. a desperation to it that right, I yes. find myself very drawn to, for sure. Um, and about this series in general, like yep. there's a desperation to the series. I don't want to, I won't spoil anything or speak mm. out of turn about the second game. I, I do think it's a valid criticism of the series that it does sometimes 
kind of do the tit for tat thing of like, okay, you know, almost like who's keeping score or mm, like who has yeah. wronged one person mm. more than the other. Like, I do think that's a valid criticism, but that's a valid criticism of the entire genre right. of like, frankly, like survival adventure, mm. <laughs> anything where there are drawn, you know, well-drawn characters and there are groups of characters trying to survive in a hellish landscape. Like that is a problem. That is just kind of always a problem with it. And I always continually find myself thinking back on like, okay, has my changing about this genre actually changed a little bit after seeing some of what I saw in the pandemic? And mm. like, I don't know. I, I Maybe it has. Well, like there, there are things about the fact that we have just gone through and are still going through a horrific global crisis and right. everybody saw different degrees of what happened here, you know, on earth in 2020 and 2021, <laughs> right? Like everybody... Right is aware on different levels of it. Like I, I'm an EMT in New York. So mm -hmm. I saw certain things that like changed me forever. And I will look at the world in a different way after seeing them and experiencing them. Sure. Right. And, you know, there are parts of me that think there are some things about this that might not actually happen, that there are ways in which, Oh, there are some people that might actually cooperate. There are right. some people that might not, uh, you know, uh, end up <laughs> going all the way like breaking bad in the ways that everything kind of goes in <laughs> oh, this yeah. genre right mm -hmm. like it might not all all be this it might not also it absolutely wouldn't be rainbows and sunshine either like <laughs> there's right. a lot of complicated ways in which an apocalypse could fashion itself right and, and could mm -hmm. be and could be different for different people as they experience it right but to me, what this game does the best, and, and yes, I think also the second one, but really what this game does the best is a desperation and a sense of this is my everything and this is who I am. Mm -hmm. And this other person is my everything and who I am. And I will lose myself happily right. if it means having this other person be okay. Uh, and that I think is really real. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think that's a very mm -hmm. fucking real thing. I think any human being, if, if pushed to any extent, like would be capable of, of heinous, horrible, awful things, right? It is mm. very much like, I I play these games, I play anything, I watch anything, I play anything, I read anything with my heart on my sleeve, and I definitely put myself in those situations and think of like, if, if I had to do something really fucking horrible and it meant my loved one would be okay, like, yeah, that that's an easy thing mm -hmm. to kind of put yourself into. And that's mm. what this does so well. This scene and scenes like it, I think, do so well. Is it, it makes you desperate and it gives you kind of feeling of... Jill is not a, necessarily a strong character. I think he gives in to the weakness of and desperation right. a lot. Like, I think, would there potentially be other ways of handling this situation? Mm. Maybe. Maybe he didn't have to kill these guys. You know, I'm not trying to argue for or against that. But he does give in to desperation in this mm -hmm. way that is, I think, powerful and I think interesting yeah. to see. Especially after this last episode that we had yeah. where we had the conflict between Joel and Ellie where they were kind of at each other's throats. And you know, Joel was the one trying yeah. to pull away and Ellie was the one saying, like, you can't just do that. And now, like, Joel wakes up after having fallen on that rebar and all that and immediately he is out for blood looking for where Ellie is to make sure that she's safe. Like, you know, yeah. it, it speaks volumes. Yeah. hundred um, percent. So back in, uh, back in horror town with, <laughs> with old David God. and buddy boy, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. they, they drag Ellie out onto the table. Clearly David is, is fed up with it. Um, and, and David, she actually bites David on the way out as, as trying to fight with them. And as he's about to bring, 
this butcher's cleaver down on her. She yells out, I'm infected, I'm infected. And, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, right, you're just saying that to try and get out of this now. And she's like, nah, roll up my sleeve, check it. And he rolls it up and sees the bite uh, that Ellie has had this whole time. And he's like, wait a minute. What? You know, like David's doing some math and he's like, you you can't have turned yet or anything but buddy boy is is not having it and this gives enough leeway for ellie to grab the cleaver and slice buddy boy up good <laughs> rip buddy boy <laughs> sorry buddy boy mm. bye <laughs> uh no he had it coming <laughs> again <laughs> yeah he did he my, did, my yeah. blanket stance on everyone in this town is they had it coming mm. uh, they're bad <laughs> yep yeah this is a system and the system has got to go down um uh david david shoots at her but she gets away and now we get into a very 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 stressful uh mm. section where we are sneaking through the town in the middle of this like kind of snowstorm uh, as dudes are hunting us and uh, we are just trying to survive and get out. And there's like an alarm bell going off and everyone's like hunting. Um, you can scrounge for stuff, uh, but you can really, like we said earlier, there's only so many things you can craft in this section. It's really just like Molotovs and pipe bombs pipe mm. bombs explosives whatever and honestly like i was not finding enough to be able to, yeah. to scrounge any of that and then like there some dudes like they have guns and when you kill them they drop you know some of them will drop their gun and bullets and stuff but i felt like i was barely getting any bullets off of them this was just a very very stressful section yeah, like, i think they are yeah. i think they're specifically trying to make sure that you don't have more than they like I guess have designed for for an mm-hmm. encounter that we're gonna have in a minute. Yeah. 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 Um, we 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 keep going. We keep trying to get away, and um, we we get into this this motel area, um, and here comes David. Uh, David grabs our gun, knocks us down, and starts a fire. Um, and it, I, I wanted to note that it was in this area that there's like a sign or something that says like he will save us or all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's a yep. lot of like, you know, there's, there's stuff. And also like the bells being actual, like kind of church sounding bells yeah. were also giving me that feeling of like, Oh, this is, yeah, I'm getting this. And then David starts saying stuff like, you know, God provided for me. And I'm like, Oh God, we're doing mm-hmm. this. Aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we get into what I would say is like, we talked about the bloater being like one of the boss battles of this game in a way earlier on. Mm-hmm. And this is like, this is intense. This is an intense little battle we have with David where um, at first he just has a gun and he's just trying to shoot us and he's chasing us around and we're basically having to like crouch and sneak around and there's like glass and stuff on the floor everywhere where if we step on it, it'll make a noise. And when he hears that, like he just books, books it for it. you. Like mm-hmm. he's like, He's like, I got you now. Um, this was so stressful. And um, the first time I did it, I actually messed up. Like, I think I, I will say that this section had some weird stuff in terms of uh, he would kind of get caught on some geometry sometimes and do what I called <laughs> uh, a wacky walk 
where he would, uh, <laughs> he would yeah. just kind of like zip around or like flip around really quick and stuff like that, like very video game stuff. And maybe right. it's because it speaks to the polish of The Last of Us that I've not noticed anything like that up to this point. Mm. Um, but when I was in the kitchen area specifically, he did a wacky walk where he was around this like <laughs> kind of island that was set up, you know, you know, like a kitchen island, you know, just like countertop and stuff. And uh, he was just on it and he was like doing these crazy spins and stuff. And so I was just hiding behind a counter waiting for him to get set because I knew the second I tried to sneak out and stab him uh, in the back, which, of course, because it's a video game, we have to do this three times. Um, <laughs> uh, I knew that the second I did that, he would like see me and then start shooting at me and stuff. And so I was like, okay, I just got to wait for him to stop wacky walking and, and, and get back on the path. <laughs> um, but that's not even mentioning the scary part. Cause eventually like after the first stab, he pulls out a machete mm. and then he starts. And I noticed this because I was listening mode for him. And so I saw, I saw that fucker like go into his like crouch stance and disappear mm. from listen mode. And I was like, this, this, fucker is gonna try and sneak <laughs> up on me mm. and it's it's scary and like the last mm. time i i stabbed him uh in the section my my stab number three he was he had set himself up to basically get me and if i had not noticed that his knee was jutting out from it and then like kind of maneuvered myself around to sneak up on him he would have got me mm. <laughs> and it was oh this it, this was a really 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 cool gameplay section. Like this was, uh, like a really interesting way of having a boss type character that is the amount of of like danger and stress that you would want in the situation and the mechanics up to this point. It, it was all very very good. I, yeah. I dug this so much. Yeah, it's a the escalation of it is very good, and it's also a very good way of kind of like using your tactics against you, like. Things that, mm-hmm. like, you as a player have learned how to do. That the, Usually, like, other enemies that you fight in this game, they don't have the sort of, like, same stealth mechanics. Or, like, they know to be quiet and because you're listening for them. So it's just, like, an interesting way to, like, kind of turn that stuff back on the player. And it does become kind of, like, the blueprint for a similar fight that happens in Part 2 that I think manages to escalate that even further in ways that are very interesting that we'll talk about then. But, uh, yeah, it's just, like, more so than the bloater, like, in terms of, like, the quote-unquote boss fights of this game, like knew how to use the systems of the game to create something that felt very distinct and, like, dangerous in a way that nothing else does in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is, like, one of my favorite tropes in games is when it takes, like, okay, you, the player, have your skill set. We're going to put someone in this space that operates the same way that you do, and you're mm-hmm. going to have to deal with that. And... um. Like, I, I think still my favorite is, like, tr- when Transistor did that. Yeah. Um, but, like, other games, uh, I want to say Iconoclasts had something like this, too. And, like, uh, the Dr. Freeze fight comes to mind, too, where you have to, like, use all the different takedowns on him. And it really, like, pushes you to use different kinds because I felt like in this situation I was having to use different methods of approaching him and, like, using bottles and navigating around glass and stuff and being careful of my surroundings. It just it makes you see the space differently and without doing too much to the actual space itself. It's so cool. I love mm. it. This is great. Yeah. <sighs> he knocks us out. And we, we, uh, we go back to Joel, who is now running through the snowstorm and kind of comes up through the front gate of the area where I just continue to murder more and more people. Um, <laughs> I think I like tried to stealth a few guys. I think I, I like shivved one guy and then shot another with the arrow, but the dude, with the arrow I got was like on top of a storage locker or something. So 
somebody else saw him get arrowed and then it was like everybody just started rushing out so i was like okay cool and pulled out the hunting rifle and just started dropping everyone <laughs> um yeah <laughs> joel joel is not here to to mince words um and he we get through this area we get into kind of like what i would say is the last bit of actual gameplay area that we have in this section which is we walk into like a deli place where first we find Ellie's backpack um, and we pick it up and then we go into the meat cooler. And I also want to note that there's a note in, in that area where Ellie's backpack was, that's about like shipments or, or mm-hmm. like um, supply or something. It's talking about how much meat they've pulled in every yeah. day. And it's like in, it's measured in pounds and it's marked at, at different points. And at one point, like there was a big hall where they were like, 5,700 pounds or whatever. Oh, uh, my God. Mm. Yeah. And then you walk into the meat cooler, and you see all the dudes hanging there on the hooks, like just bodies and bodies and bodies hanging on the hooks. And that was the moment where I was just like, oh, fuck. Like, mm. that note is suddenly so much darker when you start doing the math on it and all that, and you're like, this is, this is a system. Like, they built mm. a society around this, and... um nasty so very uh, nasty no remorse (laughs) i have no bad feelings about what i have done to this town um (laughs) i wish i could have burned more of it um (laughs) yeah yeah uh so we 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 do one more switch and if you thought that this wasn't the, the end of tough shit to talk about in this video game um We pan back to Ellie and David, both uh, slowly regaining consciousness, and Ellie notices that there's a machete under one of the booths nearby, and you start doing a whole crawl towards the scene, and we all know how this scene goes. Uh, we get close to it, and David kicks her in the gut. He's like, you know, and she got heart. It, you can give up, and stuff like that, and obviously we keep crawling because we're all slash this dude up, fuck this guy. Um, <laughs> and then... And then... Yeah, I, I hate that. I gotta be the dude that talks about this. <laughs> this specific part <laughs> yeah. is the worst part of the job. Okay. Um, he gets, he flips her around and gets on top of her and starts holding her down and says, you know, you can try begging. And Ellie's obviously just panicking and like arms flailing around. And it's clear that it's about to start getting really, really bad. And then finally she grabs a hold. Um, Like he starts strangling her and stuff. um, And then she grabs a hole in the triangle prompt. The most blessed triangle prompt shows up and we slash this fucker. And then uh, she gets slashed. He gets slashed and falls over. And then she just flips around on top of him and just starts going to town on this dude. We don't even see it. Like here's Mm. the like. We practically see it from his perspective of just Ellie right. just laying into this dude with a machete. Um, and as you noted, there's like kind of a distorted version of the theme playing over this. And finally, um, as after many, many, many hits, uh, Joel storms in and uh, pulls her pulls her off. And she's still freaking out. You know, she's just, you know, in total survival mode. And... Um, and and he like calms her down is like it's me it's me and and he she just you know she can't even say it she just said you know he tried to and and mm. can't even get words out and uh he hugs her and holds her and you know calms her down and 
we see the machete hilt sticking right out of that dude's head and boom black screen spring and that's the end of winter so oh buddy mm. um ken uh, yeah how how are we feeling at this point it's so like the, the, there are multiple moments in the last of us that when i first first played through it just like made me start sobbing uh-huh. and this is one of them i think more so than even stuff like sarah at the very beginning like still evokes that for me and like even as i'm talking about it now i can feel myself getting choked up about it because it is there's like a, a catharsis that comes from like finally having that moment when like the like the fear of what is possible in this section of the game is like constantly mm-hmm. leaning over it and you know you just like i don't know like i i feel like i even had a loss of words because like it it comes to like that desperation you're talking about danielle that like yeah the scene is just like so deliberate and exactly how long it lets these things last that it lets you have that sort of like relief but like doesn't get so over with the violence of it that like you again like it doesn't show david's remains that's where it's all over and i don't know like i just that has always been a moment that like i still like cry to the stage just because like it, it it's it's weird to come come from fall where like the game felt relatively optimistic about like different subsets of humanity and like how like we might still be able to get through this if we cooperate and work together to come to what is probably the darkest moment in the whole game and like having that moment where like violent violence that these characters commit has like you know carried a certain weight but like it does just like it is i I don't know i I keep coming like i keep coming up with like a loss of words for it because like it is more one of the most like complicated and yet uncomplicated moments of violent catharsis in the entire franchise and i think part two because it is working in more of like constant graves is lacking in any in any moment that is equivalent and i think that it, that one like that game gets into more questions about the sort of morality of these things that these characters do in a more pronounced way in a more complicated nuanced way than this particular section maybe does and just yeah i just again like i just sob every time i get to it after multiple places of this game multiple years down the line <sighs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like I said before, I, I kind of had to steal myself to watch it again, mm-hmm. this portion mm-hmm. of it. Um, and then watched it twice just so I like kind of made sure I didn't miss anything. Um, right. Because I remembered it being even more explicit. Like, I I don't want to go into like what I, I sort of half remembered it right. like, getting further, basically. Um, in like a really fucked up way. So. It's it's super hard because the way the game in the series kind of deals with trauma, there are frustrating elements of it for me where people don't have what they need to get over trauma. And that's why they keep kind of making the same mistakes. Right. Like, I want to buy everybody in The Last of Us a lot of therapy. Like, I want to, <laughs> yeah. I want to like, buy them, like, like therapy after therapy, like, session after session after session. Uh, because this is why people make mistakes. This is why people kind of do what they do in the series because they they are not able to get over certain things like there's catharsis in the moment for sure but there's not really there's not really a lot of healing right mm-hmm. <laughs> that kind of goes on uh so it's like it's intense to kind of look at and kind of be with and kind of sit with but then there's no like doing the work of of actually healing and actually mm. getting better people just kind of live with their wounds and never really uh, have them heal so it's like 
frustrating in that way, right? It's it's intense and difficult, uh, kind of in that way. And again, I know I know this is the genre, like right. yeah, like realistic. The Last of Us with therapy might not be a best selling video game, right? Mm-hmm. Like like you sit with Peter Stormare and uh, he tells you, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, that's <laughs> what game is that? That's Near Dark or something, right? Uh, or that like starts about, with. Are you talking about un- no, not Until Dawn. Um, it's until dawn. It's until it? dawn, isn't it? Where it like starts out with Peter Stormare, the psychologist, being yeah, like, yeah, "What yeah. scares yeah, you?" Right, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not. Yeah, that's not what they're going for. But, but it is hard. It is hard to depict that, and it's almost. I mean, it's. I don't know if anybody's done it super, super well, right? Of like actually healing after trauma and, and putting that in an action game, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know if anybody's figured that out yet, and of course because it's really hard it would be a really tough thing to do Mm. but yeah that that part and there is some piece of me that always will be like they i think they do a good job here but there is a part of me that will always be like okay you are definitely sort of ending up playing the male character who is upset about uh you know a woman in his life being in danger right Mm. as opposed to you don't really play ellie after this like sorry to spoil anything <laughs> sorry did i just spoil it no, I should, no, no no i should no, take no. that back i'm sorry um but it, it becomes about kind of his pain right instead right. of about hers or about what she just almost experienced even though it's like traumatic enough just to be that close to it right, right. um so the, i i do think there are like some valid criticisms of of this and the way it was approached but i also think I think this is a hard thing to do right at all. And I think they do a lot of things right here with the sort of presentation of it. And like, also again, the fact that I remembered it more explicitly than it actually is also tells you that like this stuck in my mind. Like (laughs) the fact I'm thinking about this and remembered it in such a way, in such an intense way, eight years later means this, this piece was impactful and it, Mm -hmm. it did like absolutely kind of burrow its way in my brain in a lot of ways. Yeah, it is. It is weird that like, I the more and and this is kind of the last lingering thought I had in this winter section was that like, I the fact that I know what this game is building up to and like the final moment, mm. like the final like thing that that it is, it feels like it's just kind of building up all these things to that to like what could drive a person to make that sort of choice to make that sort of decision that could affect so many people and and to to make the decision that they do make and i remember like when when i when i hit this part specifically after ellie had like macheted the shit out of david and (laughs) and joel was was pulling ellie off of him and was just like you know he's he was holding her and and she's like just i was sitting there thinking i was like ellie has had just the shittiest ass life like just Mm. the worst fucking life like going through heartbreak after heartbreak even in the small time that we've known ellie there have been all kinds of horrible shit that has happened and thinking about what is coming next episode and the idea that she might not have time to fill her life with other things right yeah is where I started to realize that this game has gotten that hook in me where it's like, what would drive a person to make that sort of choice? And mm-hmm. it's that it really is. And, yeah. um, it's, it, it, and it's a lot of things. And I think there, there's still 
like discussion to this day about the thing that we will get to in spring. I'm sure if anybody has ever played a video game in the last five, ten <laughs> years, they probably know what we're already talking about. But yeah. um, yep. it's this this is definitely a segment where I feel like there have been times in the past where where content like this, like you know, like sexual assault, has been used as sort of a like we were talking about earlier with Walking Dead, where it's like oh, this dude does bad stuff, and so this is why you right. got to go kill him. I Actually, the one I think of all the time with that is The Division, because ages ago I wrote a thing for Pace Magazine that was about how The Division like goes out of its way to try and treat looters and rioters as like the most terrible people, and that's why you should always shoot at them when you see them on the streets and stuff like that. Um, yeah, that was, that was a piece I wrote in like 2015. 2016 whenever the division came out that I did not think would be so Mm. (laughs) (laughs) hit hit the way it did years later Um, but I was thinking about that again here because like the division is a game where they're just like oh yeah you know those those guys from Rikers escaped prison and I'm I'm sitting there thinking like cool good for them you know maybe they can like find you know ways to help out in the terrible apocalypse that we're all experiencing and we can all kind of learn to (laughs) you know, rehabilitate with each other and learn to come together as humanity. And they're like, oh, but they light people on fire for fun. And I'm like, oh, God damn it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, And I feel like, you know, the atrocities that humans can inflict on each other in video games, especially like so often get brought up as just a way to do that, to be like, look at how terrible this guy is. This is why it's so awesome that you're going to shoot him. And like, that's, I was glad in this moment that it wasn't treated that way, that it was an actual piece of Ellie isn't going to have catharsis out of this. I feel like we see this in the first scene of spring that we get to where Ellie is kind of like drifting off in thought, um, staring at an image of a deer, but you like the fact that it's a deer, which is the first thing you see in winter, um, like almost kind of brings up those thoughts and you can see like, she's just, thinking like she's almost kind of lost in in her own head Mm. and joel kind of snaps her out of it and i feel like that's the first sign that like yes time has passed but that doesn't mean that ellie's better and ellie's going to have to work through this and ellie's going to have to like get through this and and as danielle said like there's there's not a therapist's office Mm. in in this world um and i was like okay it's it's a character beat this is something that they're going to work with this is not something that's just going to be used as like yeah this is why we're gonna fucking kill david like that's um (laughs) and yeah yeah that's i i do appreciate that at least it wasn't used as just sort of a one-off reason for like here's why this character is bad but it was like tried to be incorporated as an actual story point yeah (sighs) boy Mm. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, it, um, yeah. and I, I got some like sort of like more overall thoughts about how the series handles trauma and then the ways that shit doesn't. In a way, I think that sort of like the fact that it doesn't is also like very deliberate in what it tries to say and when it, it comes to these characters in their lives. But um, that is that's a part two discussion, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly like the foundations are here, right? right. So mm-hmm. yeah, and that yeah, that, that's something else that I, I'm I'm very much realizing as uh, we keep going through this season is like this game is barreling towards an eventuality that I like can't fathom another way that this game could have possibly ended, which makes discussions about like alternate ways that it should have ended interesting to me, just because mm. like it feels so like carefully placing the tracks for something to go down. Yeah. 
I also feel like any, I, we had this when we were talking about Mass Effect 3, like <laughs> any sort of discussion about like, how should a game end? Like you can play backseat quarterback with that till like the sun comes up, but mm. that it, it kind of misses the forest for the trees. You know, right. you're looking at like, oh, you know, if they just did this and it would change everything, but you're like, that doesn't seem like the ending is your problem. Or if anything, like you just want something out of this game that it wasn't trying to give you. Um, and I do, I do at least feel like you've got to meet a text on its own terms before, you know, you begin to, I mean, that's what we do with this podcast is what I'm doing with this podcast is I'm somebody who's traditionally been like, I don't like the last of us because I think it's violent and I don't like violent games. They're just about being mean and killing each other unless it's (laughs) demons and you're the doom guy. (laughs) Um, Or Titanfall 2, and we're just not going to think too hard about the ramifications of our actions. But <laughs> but um, that was, I you know, from the outset, I'd always looked at The Last of Us as, like, kind of the prestige television, like, emotional torture fest that, um, that I think it could seem like from the outside, um, like A Walking Dead. And mm-hmm. at least with this podcast, I feel like I'm beginning to appreciate the things that it's trying to do that set it apart from that sort of fiction and, and try to at least direct it in a way that is more, if not hopeful, then at least like trying to be about what's worth living for rather right. than, you know, like, Oh, we're all in a terrible place and we're all going to die. This all sucks. This is all terrible. Everything sucks here in the zombie apocalypse. Like, of course it sucks here in the zombie apocalypse. Like why would it not suck? But <laughs> <laughs> there are very few yeah. zombie fiction where the zombie apocalypse doesn't suck. But, um, it's uh yeah so i'm at least appreciating the places and where it's surprising me and and um delivering a story that is better than i thought it would be and more 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 intentional than i thought it would be so right uh Hmm. with that um as always we are normandy fm we have a patreon patreon.com slash normandy fm you can go support us there uh any amount of backing oh boy i can really tone switch (laughs) (laughs) yeah for real um any amount of backing (laughs) gets you on our discord you can hang out and talk about sad stuff with us all you want uh if you do five (laughs) dollars you'll get the episodes whenever ken's done editing them sorry this one's a little bit late guys we schedule and all that kind of stuff you know how it is um but uh if you back at a certain level you also get your name shout out every week and this week that list is kevin kulikowski chris johns alice hawk colin just colin just the wedge of destiny mila hyde zach james and kevin hux thank you all so much for backing supporting us next week is the spring episode it will be our finale for the last of us part one however we are not taking any sort of breaks or anything like that like we have done with previous seasons so we'll be going right from last of us part one into left behind the week after that and then the week after that we'll be going right into the last of us part two because ken and i do not know how to stop (laughs) (laughs) um also i want to say uh we should We've been reiterating this every couple of weeks, but uh, the Mass Effect Legendary Edition is is coming up next um, week. Next week, uh, Ken and I are both dead set on playing it. Of course, obviously, we will be talking about it. Um, in terms of our coverage, I'm not sure um, there is like a non-zero chance that Ken and I both play through this thing and decide to do like a bio uh, bio bit about it or something like that. 
um, to, to try and just get our thoughts out. But we our plan right now is to have uh, round tables uh, for Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3 specifically to kind of go back over these games uh, more in like a broader sense, not as deep as we've done with the recaps in the past. Um, we'll also be talking about the Legendary Edition changes, of course. Ken, do we want to start announcing who is on these roundtables? Do we want to like lock down some things before we do that? Because I, <laughs> I personally am eager to start getting these names out there because this lineup is killer. So. Uh, maybe not on this show, but maybe this week we can start talking to people, getting everything nailed down and ready. What if, because I feel very confident in one of them, okay. and this is, this is just podcast tease. We're not even putting this out on the Twitter. This is a just podcast. If you listen all the way through <laughs> on the podcast, you get this treat. Uh, I will say that our first Mass Effect, our Mass Effect 1, uh, may feature a co-worker of Ken's surprise. <laughs> oh, <laughs> And also a former co-worker of mine, um, which is very interesting. Um, we would have had a third, but we got, we got a no on that one. So I'm going to have to, to take up some ire with that <laughs> one. But, <laughs> um, but all of them, I think the plan is that we're going to have, uh, Ken and myself, plus, uh, a number of guests. I think where it is right now is Mass Effect one. We're going to have two other guests and Mass Effect two and three will have three other guests. So it's going to be a whole ass round table. It's going to be. Uh, a hoot nanny. It's going to be a hoedown. <laughs> it's going to be a rodeo. I'm out of southernisms for today. That um, <laughs> I got to edit. What you do? You don't got to edit those. What are you talking yes, about? You, you have to edit your podcast. You got to fucking go through and make a like with a fine tooth comb and. You edit sure. out my southernisms? No, I'm talking about editing the show. These five round or the fucking three roundtables with five people on at once. Oh, okay. Oof. The way you phrased that made me think that you were going to take out the part where I get to say Hoot Nanny. <laughs> and I was very I upset. I was worried about that, too. I was like, oh, no, what's wrong with Hoot Nanny? Thank you, oh, Danielle. No. See, this is what I'm talking about. We got to find Danielle a spot on one of these. Danielle, are you a Mass Effect fan? I, I'm a huge Mass Effect fan, yes. How did we not have you on, then? That's, this well, is I guess different. I haven't, like, advertised it in a while, because it was, like, I haven't played them since, but I was a tremendous fan at the time no problem like no question i just haven't replayed them and since you know the trilogy came out and i didn't really play much of andromeda i played a bit of it on like a let's play you know three years ago but that was about it and to be fair fair. danielle you and i did not work with each other yet by the time that we were we were working on mass effect for this show so that's true yeah Oh, is, is Ken going to spin this on me now? He's going to be like, but you were working with Danielle. Oh. At the time. You, were, you were freelancing for her site. Mm. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. There it is. Uh-huh. There's the shade. <laughs> is I, there a southernism for shade? Shade. Like, to, like, throw shade? You know, like, oh, is it just shade? I okay, it, yeah. okay I, mean, I, see, I see. I mean, if you want to throw shade in a, in a southern way, I'd say, like, oh, bless her heart. You know, mm. that's... <laughs> Right before you're about to say that somebody is like a moron or something, you say like, "Oh, bless his heart, he just ain't all there." Like he's, gotcha. you know, not the brightest bulb in the box, you know, not the <laughs> sharpest crayon. Um, we say "bless your tiny heart" where I'm from, like in the same way, like heart. "bless your tiny mm-hmm. heart," but you know, <laughs> that sounds more. Not sure barred. why it's tiny. Yeah, I'm not sure why it's tiny. I don't know why it's tiny, but there it is. <laughs> Like we always say, like oh bless your heart or oh honey, like that's that's very much yeah. like the oh no no yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh 
I love it. <laughs> uh, Danielle, where can the people at home find your work? Well, you can go to fanbite.com. I'm sure Kenneth also says this all the time. But if you go to fanbite.com or if you go to, uh, of course, Fanbite Media on Twitter, you know, they just won't give us Fanbite yet. But Fanbite Media on Twitter or you can find me on Twitter at Danielle R.I. Excellent. For all of us, for everyone here, we will see you next time for the conclusion of The Last of Us Part 1 on Normandy FM. (laughs) 